I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, the greatest of all time, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, Connie, Conrad Thompson. Happy Monday. Happy My World recording. How are you doing, pal? Spring is, Spring is in the air. I had a uh, uh, a family weekend, if you will. Uh, really? Went, yeah, went down to Florida, kind of off the grid. There's a couple of things we'll hit off the family right up quick because uh, I want to see if you saw a picture. But no, I went down and uh, me and Jaron uh, visited, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven schools uh, in the uh, Florida area. So did that. And uh, man, I don't want to take a left turn here but man you had a tragedy in your state uh i was watching some of that news chicago is crazy the world is wacky this is why i like to record my world for a couple hours every week kind of escape from it but uh did you see uh the latest picture that cody put online uh where he's got a rap album coming out I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, when does when does his new single drop? Do you know? I, well, I, you're the one that's always got y'all. Are, you know, y'all are Instagram DM buddies and all that. I, he gives you all the private details. We don't even know. Oh yeah, I talked to Conrad. Oh yeah, I talked to Jay Lethal. Oh yeah, he he's got all these side conversations going on. So I don't know, pal. But how are you, man? Better than I deserve. Excited to be with you here today. And of course, I'm excited to talk about AEW. You know, when we uh, when we spoke last. You were uh, thinking about trying to, you know, see if you couldn't help a brother out, Mister Mark Briscoe. What's the latest? Mm. You know, Conrad. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I could come up with a thousand different analogies, and uh, a lot of times um, you settle for good and not great. 
And um, I guess you could say, Conrad, you'll come up with some business analogies here, but sometimes you can be a victim of your own success. think, Think that the only way to do something is the way you've done it for years and years and years. And it got you to a certain level. Well, the fact of the matter is Mr. Briscoe, it's it's, it is a brand new day in a lot of ways for his career. And for a lot of years, um, he was super successful, uh, in his situation. Um, got to take the level of competition, um, without question in in case you got to also, uh, take his situation. So it's, it's a, AEW, like I said last week, moves faster, stronger, better athletes, more pressure, all of that being said. Uh, as a unit, we're trying to work the kinks out. Let's just say that. There's a lot of uh, chatter going on. Uh, Jay Lethal uh, and me had a conversation. I said, Jay, you can't make people change. They got to want change. Help him to see the reason why. Don't tell him he should change. Don't tell him he has to do anything. But try to shed some light on um, our successes and uh, lack of of um, problems uh, outside of Aubrey Edwards. We had had tag team gold outside of Aubrey Ag- Edwards. I'd be the international champion. So, Conrad, you know how it goes. It's a little rocky rose, but we'll get there. Well, we also know that you guys are back on tour. You got upcoming dates in Pittsburgh, Sunrise, Florida, Baltimore, Detroit, uh, Austin, Texas. You got the big double or nothing loop for Las Vegas and the rumor in innuendo is that there might even be some more house shows coming up. Is that right? Have our- off and running. We hit Corbin, Kentucky, uh, and Salem, Virginia, which is right outside of Roanoke. Uh, so yeah, we've, um, got those two house rules events coming up. Uh, lots of buzz going on right now, Conrad around AW and the ups and downs and everything in between. But yes, um, Troy, Ohio was the first house rules event. And, um, you know, Salem, uh, and, and, and Corbin, Kentucky. So we're moving over into a different part of the country. Our our next two events, uh, are going to be near and dear to both of our hearts, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And so, you know, at some point we're going to get out to the Midwest and, and Texas and probably out West, but, uh, the Carolinas, uh, are a hotbed that we're looking at, obviously Florida. And then it goes without saying the Northeast, there are many, many markets in the Northeast that house rules would fit. And, uh, so we're excited also talking to some Canadian partners, uh, that, uh, from coast to coast, AEW has a monster summer plan for Canada. I mean, a monster summer, but, uh, yeah, things are rocking pal. Uh, I'll call it my day job is, uh, keeping me busy in, in so many ways. And, um, yeah, uh, other than that, um, What's your thoughts going on in the wrestling world? Anything come to mind today before we dive into this topic? Because, buddy, I cannot wait to ask you a few questions today. When I read the notes, I said, I'm going to ask Conrad this. I'm going to ask Conrad that. We're going to get your feedback today on a few things. But what's your temperature of professional wrestling these days? Well, I want to give a shout out and kudos to Mr. Macklin and Miss Deanna. They are the new Impact Champions. They had their big pay-per-view over the weekend. Triple Mania was this past weekend, as I hear that was a big success too. And of course, everybody's wondering what's next for WWE. Uh, I think they've got some big stuff lined up with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the Usos. And can't wait to see what's next for Cody and Lesnar. And of course, all the chatter really is about AEW. And, you know, the rumor and innuendo with the FTR podcast. I don't even know what all that's about just yet. And 
uh, will he or won't he with some roster members on the AEW side. It's an interesting time to be a wrestling fan. I, I think uh, now's about as fun as I can remember it being. This modern era feels more and more like the boom era of the Monday Night Wars, just in terms of lots of different companies getting some momentum in different places. Momentum, it would be an understatement when you talk about Wembley. And there's, man, there's a lot of, God, there's so much chatter. And I know here on the podcast, we talk about it. And there is chatter in the US, but over in the UK, my buddies, um, contacts, Wembley, it's, I mean, Conrad, it hasn't. No, we both know the business well enough to know that just in the last 12 months, Cardiff, LA Mania, SummerSlam's going to Ford Field, um, AEW, Arthur Ashe. Um, yeah, I mean, just, but, but Wembley being the culture, cultural event, you talked about uh, Triple Mania earlier. I can't believe that was a year ago we were down there. So they kicked off Monterey this past weekend. I, I wasn't even aware of that, Conrad. Uh, busy, busy, busy. But uh, yeah, a lot of, and I, t- I, t- I screenshotted you that uh, little image the other day. What about that market cap value? Hey, it's unbelievable. You know, we saw the WWE stock cross a hundred, uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, they got a lot of momentum right now. And, you know, speaking of momentum, just to go back to Wembley, the rumor is there's been over 50,000 ticket requests. Yeah. And as you might imagine, most of those folks who are requesting tickets don't just want one, they want two or four or whatever. Uh, but I think it's going to be a real test. And I think this is, uh, you know, Jr. said it best when, when when he and I recorded this morning that a lot of times we overuse the words history. Oh, this is wrestling history. This really is. This is historic to run a stadium show like this and to have 50,000 requests in advance. And we don't even know what the card is yet. You know, it feels a lot like a, a WrestleMania vibe and it's happening across the pond. This is going to be big. So excited for you guys. And I'm excited. For Matthew Sheely. Oh turns boy. Out, turns out we uh inadvertently, you know, as we were talking about how I nailed the final four and you missed, we forgot yes. to mention the guy who won the bracket is Matthew Sheely. So we got a little prize pack coming your way and wanted to shout him out for winning the uh, My World March Madness tournament. So, so Jeff, we talked a lot of smack. He thought for sure you were gonna win. Oh, Matthew took you to the woodshed. Oh no, 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 no. Let's just roll it out here. Last week was our first opportunity to give, give the big shout out as Conrad likes to say, give him his flowers Yes, for Matthew. He was a complete afterthought. And do you know why Matthew I'm talking directly to you, my friend, if Conrad hadn't have got his ego and boasted and Jeff, I took you to the woodshed and you were wrong and you did this and you did that, blah, 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 blah. Conrad, it was all about you. Uh, last week and 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 our man Matthew I, I think we I don't know we had a lot of entries come in and that freaking Matthew got lucky who would have picked you con I mean I, I still they n- that just doesn't make sense but anyway congrats Matthew a lot of fun our man Dave Green uh podcast t dad sales uh we got our work cut out uh, next year, but we, we absolutely, uh, had a ton of engagement, a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of wish that I would have, uh, got so many things going on. I think during the games, we could have done a, uh, hashtag my world madness. I'm saying, I'll say Conrad next year, we kind of got a blueprint down next year. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. A lot of interaction, 
uh, that's what I, that's, I absolutely love it. When I, when I do jump on off and on Instagram or uh, Twitter, the engagement with the, my world family is, uh, what a nice community of, of the ad free family and the, my world community. I'm pumped for our show today and want to give everybody a shout out riding along shotgun with us. We got Eddie Prather and coach Rosie and, uh, we got Richie Ray and we got a whole bunch of folks riding shotgun with us. But Keith, shout out to everybody who's, uh, here with us early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. We're going to talk about something we haven't talked about in a while. We've spent quite a bit of time talking about TNA. We're switching gears here. And today we're going to talk about the first time you won the WCW world title, the big gold belt. The one that's above your head and above my head, uh, that, that championship goes back to 1905. The actual belt, the physical belt that you won goes back to Valentine's day, 1986. And here you are 14 years later, as a kid who grew up watching this specific championship, you're going to win it. And we're going to discuss it here today. It's an interesting time in WCW, April of 2000. We're going to sort of pick up where we left off last year. You and Polly Bromwell finished off your time in the NWO. So be sure to check that out in the archives. But as the NWO slowly fades away, you're still running uh, full swing with, with WCW, but there's a lot of moving parts. Vince Russo was sent home. And I assume that means Kevin Sullivan is running creative. Who are you getting your marching orders from? Conrad and you, I was actually going to text you this. So I'm like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of do it real time. Cause you do such a good job with your other podcast. And, um, you know, you, you were a fan that's turned into a fan, uh, um, a businessman, but also a historian because whether it's Tony Schiavone, what happened when Jr. E- even Bruce, maybe talking about the WWF, WWE, you're also kind of talking about what was going on on the other channel. So we are, kind of diving into this Conrad, correct me if I'm wrong. This is first quarter of year 2000, right? Yep. And Russo, uh, that's, I think the diving in point is Russo came in September of 99, roughly. And so from September of 99, and now we're first quarter, Russo's already been sent home. Was Eric out already as well i'm just trying to think because they're the two key players in this podcast if you will because they came back that kind of set the wheels in motion for me uh to become um in the the restart the however the reset if you will in april of 2000 can you add a little color to that conrad just from the the end of 99 because there's a stat in here about running Chapel Hill, North Carolina in 99 and running Chapel Hill in the year 2000, the radical drop in, in attendance. But can you add a little color to that, Conrad, just to, because to, look, I think some people listen to this podcast, don't listen to it every week. And hey, they look at it and say, hey, I want to hear this episode of Jeff winning his first big gold belt. I, I like to kind of give a, a little baseline. Any color to that, Connie? Sure. WCW never turned to profit the entire time Ted Turner owned it in 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, and 94. They were losing cash hand over fist every time. They had lots of different captains at the helm, including uh, Bill Watts, who made it his mission to try to cut costs and cut spending and just sort of stop the losses. Uh, none of it was successful. They don't actually turn a profit until 1995. And even then, there's debate as to whether or not it was an actual profit. Or was it just on paper? But that is the year they created Nitro. 
1996 is the first real deal profitable year that WCW ever had. And of course, most of that success hinges on the success of the NWO angle. 97 is a banner year and they actually take over. They're firmly in control. They're the lead dog. They're winning the race. 98 breaks records, not only for WWE, once they ended the 83 week streak in April, but the WCW, they had their most profitable year ever, year ever as far as top line and net profit. 1999, the wheels started to come off. We started with the finger poke of doom slowly, but surely creative started to deteriorate. Maybe what was working was no longer working. And of course, Eric would tell you it all changed when the whole time Warner stuff started to become a reality. And at this point, they're going to send Eric home. I believe that happens in August of 99. And I believe Vince Russo actually jumps in October of 99 and immediately tries to, uh, change everything. Now that's probably a positive, but it just didn't work. Maybe WCW did need to change, but maybe not the direction Russo was headed was what Turner corporate wanted. So he gets sent home. So whether he gets sent home or he goes home on his own, either way, he's only at the helm for a little bit of time before Eric Bischoff's phone rings. Eric now realizes he's got a golden opportunity to get his, his old contract completely paid out and come back with an even better contract. So Eric, while a lot of people would have viewed this as a bad thing that he got sent home, brother got paid twice. Now, when he's coming back, he's going to be asked to work with Vince Russo, something that he's at least willing to give a shot to. And here we are, you find yourself in the middle of all this, having held up Vince McMahon with a pea shooter. I think it was, we decided you get your bag of cash from the arena, uh, a check from the arena and leave and show up the very next day on nitro. You're immediately programmed in a big way. Russo was kind of your advocate. You became pals with him on the WWF side of things. He's now switched jerseys. You're going to follow suit. And I'm sure you have to be feeling a little uneasy about, okay, last time I was here, Bischoff didn't do much with me. And then on the way out, sort of dunked on me on some prodigy chats. And the guy who got me here is now home. And now I'm hearing Bischoff might be coming back. Now, of course you have a guaranteed contract, but I'm sure as far as your spot, brother, you got to at least be a little nervous, right? Conrad, well, j- seriously, I, I love all that because people that uh, I've got a, a, another buddy of mine who's on episode 55. He listens to it going and coming from work. So he's working his way through uh, that. And But other buddies, they'll literally just scroll down and say, I'm going to listen to this and dive off into it. And anyhow, um, Conrad, I am, again, thanks. For, I appreciate that because. As I read the notes and look, hindsight's 2020, but we're talking Q1 of uh, year 2000. I came in October. I mean, you talk about the honeymoon being completely over. It was no advanced planning, no advanced booking. It was show up every week and what's going to change. What's, I mean, Terry Taylor, Kevin Nash, um, Bill Banks, Jeremy Bohr. I, I mean, you may know the list of people on creative, but it was always an evolving kind of turnstile. Kevin Sullivan, J.J. Dillon. Bill Bush is the one who actually hired me. Uh, and he, he his, I, I think Meltzer called it a, a, a coup, but the coup to remove Russo was essentially Kevin and 
JJ Dillon and a few others. Uh, but, but anyway, by January, February, it, it reminded me of not exactly when I left the time before is, but the buck didn't stop with any one person. And the reality is what you just said, they hired and Vince will Russo will say this to this day. I am a writer, bro. So, okay. He's a writer. He's not a CEO, uh, not a COO, not at the top of the food chain running business. And I said it over and over and over. I realized that in WCW in 96, 97. And when I came back, the lack of leadership was so prevalent and created such toxicity between staff, administrators, talent to a certain degree, but we all had to work together. But there was also this, as the angle got going, I mean, it was, it was a mess. It was a complete mess. I had a good contract and knew I'm going to do everything I can kind of old school mentality or how I was raised, go control what you can control. And that's when the red lights on be the absolute best talent. You know how to be. So is Kevin Sullivan, your guy here, like in this transition period where we don't yet have the, the new full plan of Bischoff and Russo working together in the interim that falls on, on Kevin's shoulders. Yeah. I mean, Kevin was definitely, I'll call it, you know, if we call Vince Russo, they had Ryder and he got sent home. Now, uh, Kevin Sullivan probably wouldn't be re- like to be referred to as, as a writer, but he was the booker. He he was the lead guy. He was at the very top of the creative food chain. Talent was more or less handled by JJ Dillon, but that was kind of how the wheels were going. And me and Kevin had always gotten along. He was the one who was really engaged uh, in the four horsemen storyline uh, that never uh, got to really develop, but no, me and Kevin always got along. I think Kevin respected my, ability to work with anybody and that because that's what he would say hey man we're gonna you can have a good match with anybody uh and and nitro was hey let's go entertain them were we still at three hours i feel like we were on nitro yeah yeah does it feel what a great you you were a part of the hottest brand there ever was you know wwf was on absolute fire when you leave i mean there's never been a wrestling company that had more top line ever than the WWF and you felt like maybe they didn't appreciate or respect your talents or you weren't being paid in accordance with your talents, whatever the reason may be, we've covered it in the archives. However, now you're switching jerseys and yes, it's guaranteed money, but is it a little defeating? I mean, does you feel like you've taken a step back? Does it feel like a sinking ship when you, you come in here and there are all these politics and it is a, it's not a harmonious locker room, et cetera, et cetera. Or is it all about, Hey man, I'm getting paid this amount. I don't care. So singing ship would be in my delusional optimism, not something I would have said back then. I would have said, we are really in some turbulent water here. This is a mess, but guess what? Conrad, once we get through this next hurricane, we're going to be just fine. And there's going to be sunny days and it'll be bright and it'll be smooth sailing. And we're going to get this thing back on track. I really think my eternal optimism has always been in play. Sometimes it's a positive. Sometimes it's a negative. I've caught myself uh, over the last couple of years doing this pod. You know, was it really a negative? Uh, maybe, maybe not. 
but but certainly I had blinders on. But you know, so sinking ship, no. But going through a turbulent, I mean, it was a mess. I, I've I've never been, and hope to never be, in a situation that had. I mean, not even close to one person that I could candidly say the buck stops with him. Even in the Russo early days, even when, okay, Eric and Vince came back together. Okay, that's two people. Then then when that was over, there was never any one person in charge. Uh, Bill Bush, when he hired me, was very, very transparent that I'm the accountant. He didn't say that, but I'm the finance guy, and I've got to make the numbers work. Uh, that's what I'm charged to do. I don't handle creative. I don't handle talent relations. I don't handle marketing and production and all that kind of stuff. And when you kind of nowadays look across the pond and look at guys, Conrad, you look at the chairman's, you know, uh, I saw an interview. He was gone five months. It, it felt longer than that, but you know, was he, no, was he ever really, really gone? No, because he was still the single longest shareholder and had the control and that is, I think that's such a lesson to learn when you look that, you know, you, you have to have a, a singular leader in uh, the professional wrestling industry or it doesn't work. Coming out of super brawl where Sid retains his WCW title in a three-way over you and Scott Hall shows in Sacramento. And it's written in the observer that you were supposed to wrestle Sid on this show, but creative decided to push it back to uncensored make it the pay-per-view main event there um character wise did you feel like your character was established here we know that the character was well established on the other channel did you feel like it was established enough here at this point to be in a main event probably the 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 i can't argue who was established and I don't mean a legacy name like a Flair or a Luger or a Sting. Like, so we all had at different levels. Name value. Name value. But as far as an episodic character that had momentum, nobody had it. So right. um, I, 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 I think um, th th I was the choice. And the, the thread that I read in, in all the notes was Kevin Sullivan Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, whoever, when they look down their list of talent, I, I think they go, hmm, who's dependable? Who's going to deliver uh, the best possible match we can on Nitro? All right, Jeff's our choice. I, I think that was, I don't want to say by default, but that was because nobody had momentum. Well, we're going to try to get some momentum here, but we're going to be working with Sid. Had you worked with Sid before, whether in Memphis or the WWF, or would this have been the first time you and him were hooking it up? So Conrad in 1985, not 95, 85, 85 at the Nashville fairgrounds. He used to have the matches on Saturday night. I watched Tojo Yamamoto. Um, and, and he had several students, but Sid was the, I, I saw to, uh, Tojo work Sid out and, and others, but I, so I've, I've known Sid since 85, 86 and had a very sporadic, a match here or there 
in the Memphis days. I think he worked for Eddie Gilbert down in Montgomery, um, David Woods era. So, no, I, I had been around and maybe a match here or there. Uh, but, you know, on this level, no. But I knew Sid. He knew me. I, I can't say great, but pretty well. We, we knew. Yeah, we, we, we knew each other. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Hey guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. Jim Johnston created the soundtrack for generations of WWE fans with some of the most iconic themes in history. Jim sits down with Conrad to take us behind some of those classic themes, including The Ultimate Warrior. And then I recorded that. And then just over that, you're just doing... You know, it's so simple, but that's what felt like him. Plus, an all-new edition of The Book is here, as David Crockett takes us page by page, gate by gate, through the JCP booking logs of April 1985. On Sunday, April 14th, you start the day with a 2 p.m. show in Richmond, Virginia, 43 grand. An hour later, Asheville, North Carolina kicks off, and it's another 63-63. But then that night, you guys all cruised to Atlanta, $31,000 at the gate. Talk about a banner day for Jim Crockett Promotions. This is hard to beat, man. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. The Harris twins, two other guys, you know, they're going to be your heaters for this WCW version of your character. They're everywhere on the show. They're going to beat up Kidman and Lash LaRue, Disco and Booker. Uh, and how's this for a match? The Harris twins take on uh, Terry Funk and Dustin Rhodes. And it leads to both you and Sid coming down. Of course you hit the timekeeper with a guitar because that's what you do. Uh, and Sid chases you out while Dustin turns on Funk and hits him with a DDT. That all happened in a five minute match. A lot of moving parts here. And, uh, Hogan was pretty critical of the creative. He went on man cow on February 18th, uh, saying his match with Luger would turn the company around and that nobody under 40 on the WCW roster has any credibility in wrestling. And that Perry Saturn who had ripped on Hogan online had never drawn a dime and never would. And he blamed Russo's writing for the current problems in WCW. And Dave writes, 
Dave Meltzer writes in the observer Hogan needs to go. He's done more to hurt team morale than anyone in the company. The company will never rebuild as long as he's around, even though there are ways he could be booked. That could be very effective His keeping others down, make him not worth whatever potential upside he may have left until bill Bush explains to every wrestler over 40 that their only job left in the company is to make someone under 35, a superstar. And anyone who doesn't do it the right way is gone. There is no hope. There's not one exception because all those guys who in their minds think they're stars that are over aren't drawing a dime or a rating at this point. Meltzer has some pretty harsh words here about the Hulkster. Uh, you were there. Did you feel like he's trying to stir up the internet? He being Hulk Hogan with this sort of statement, or did you think it was genuine? And maybe what we've heard from a lot of other folks over the years is true. Hulk was trying to hold us down, brother. I think Hulk, like any talent, wanted to keep things going. It's not like he woke up and everybody wanted their way. Everybody in that group of, uh, we'll call it the Millionaires Club, and that's why I ask you, but I, I think it's just a good setting point. Just 12 months ago, business was red hot. That's not that long ago. And now they brought in a guy and he's already out. I mean, disarray, unorganized, a mess. It's just a complete under, I mean, it's an understatement because, you know, Hogan getting on the radio and man cow, for those who don't know, incredibly successful, I'll call him a shock jock in the Chicago area used to be syndicated, but I mean, Hogan saying his stuff and the inner office turmoil and everybody, you know, look it, the reality is everybody wanted to keep that big paycheck coming. And they were very, very outspoken on what they thought was right or wrong. And there's probably validity in both. I just sat back and tried to really look at it and go, I could, I can't remember having these thoughts. Where's all this going to end? What, 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 what's the end game here? Who, who is going to be able to, to come in and, and be, I'll call it the Vince, the Jared Jarrett, the Jared Lawler, the, you know, the boss to just say, Hey, this is direction we're going and we're going and we're going to be successful at it. And it turns out to be successful. I was hoping for that. I didn't know who, where it'd come from, but I was hoping that we would write the ship, get the train back on the tracks. But it was very clear by no shows substitutions and, People, talent dictating, I'll be at TV, I won't be at TV, I don't like this, I don't like that. I mean, there's a give and take always in wrestling. But at this level, it was a disaster. I mean, it's such a disaster. The, um, the, the Torch and the Observer would report that the Nitro prior was supposed to be you versus Sid, but it was supposed to be a cage. And when the match is pushed back, Hogan had to go out with Luger and do the cage match. And apparently Hogan was pissed about it. Are you hearing any of this directly from Hogan or just whispers in the locker room and, and the dirt sheets? If and you first time I've knew that Hogan and maybe I forgot about it and heard it in passing that night, but I didn't even recall that they had him do the match in the cage. I don't really remember me and Sid being booked in that cage. Um, and, and that's a product of not really me having a bad memory of how 
much plans changed yes. all the time. I mean, it was just like constant. There was no direction. And, and I say this to say, if talent, if I can't recall it, I mean, the, the, the fan base, it just, we eroded it. Uh, what do you say? Uh, what do you call it? Consumer confidence? Yep. It was gone. And by the last Monday of February here in 2000, Nitro loses in the ratings by triple. Raw has triple the ratings that Nitro does. That's just crazy to think about. That same Nitro, by the way, is the target center. And we have you and Vampiro wrestling. You're going to get the win to retain the U.S. title. We haven't spent any time talking about Vampiro. How was he to work with? He was fine. I mean, he obviously his most success came in Lucha Libre and came in, um, you know, in, in a Spanish speaking, uh, genre of professional wrestling. Um, so he, his, his Henry, I mean, it's fine and everything, but it's, it was, to me, it's one of those things. Did they ever give him, I'll say a fair opportunity. Was the character defined? Was he kind of an offshoot of Sting or or he was or what? It was, it just, I mean. We, we didn't establish him in WCW. I mean, not at all. He had not a cool all. look, but he just showed up with a cool look and it's like, hey, here he is. But there's yes. no backstory. None. And, yeah, and we don't, we don't and, understand the character. And then, you know, I can hear Mike Tanay or, or Shav- whoever, but yes, his uh, a, a legend in Mexico, but they are not going to have time to say why is, you know, so you felt like he was a big deal and kind of thought he was, and they kind of positioned him, but then it never really panned out. And, you know, um, again, character development was non-existent in his case in WCW. Respectfully, is that a Russo issue? Like I say that because I feel like there's been times where Russo believed and, and listen, I know some of this was done in character, but it's almost as if you weren't a big star on the WWF program, we're not maybe going to feature you too strongly here. And, and in times Russo in character, I'm sure would do promos about, Hey, you can go watch all the Lucha Libres you want. You know, the, the, like he <laughs> didn't necessarily respect the history because he didn't think, and I think he was right, by the way, I'm not being, I'm not being negative on Russo in this regard. I'm saying he knew that the majority of the folks watching this weren't familiar with AAA or CMLL or new Japan. So if they didn't watch it on this show or the other channel, it kind of doesn't compute. You got to start fresh, but I think you could leverage that stuff. And we've seen it happen in more modern times. Was Russo's attitude correct at the time? Do you think that, Hey, most of them haven't seen it, but that doesn't mean we couldn't spend time and educate them. Right. Or do you think that was a waste of time? So I think, and I, I think you'll, agree with me. I don't think it was a matter of respect on Russo's part. I think he respected Japanese talent, Mexican talent, whatever it may be. Did he think that they would get ratings and numbers? I can tell you to my knowledge, absolutely not. And didn't believe that it was worth the investment to, to use that as a jumping off point in character development for Vampiro. 
you know, and there's a thousand different schools of thought, you know, and going back to the territory days. And I, a lot of times I like to kind of use that as example in the old days, I oh gotta sound like the old timer, but that's how it was done. Here comes Billy Robinson. Why is he good? Well, we're going to tell you why he's good. He beat this guy here and beat this guy here, you know, the traveling world champion or, you know, Andre, the giants, the touring guy or whatever it is, you use the history because it's, it's difficult. You, you can't create history overnight. So, Vince, I don't believe really ever bought into that's going to get me a number to go into other genres of wrestling, but that was his philosophy. So, um, the culture of character development in WCW, we just talked, touched on Vampiro. There's a lot of guys that were, you know, there, I, I just go into that. That is such a lost art in so many ways. Let me jump in here though, too. Okay. I don't want everybody to think we're trying to pile on Vince because the oh. reality is the other Vince didn't do it either. I mean, let's just call it like it is like he had plenty of opportunity to, to feature some of his Lucha talent. Remember when the nitro craze really popped off with all the success of the luchadors, Vince tried to do some of the same sort of half-assed, like it, there was no real, nobody got excited about a light heavyweight title match in the WWF. Nobody got excited when they ran the Royal rumble in 97 and had all the Lucha talent. There was all, yeah, here, here they are. And that's it. Uh, at least WCW allowed them the environment to flourish. And I just wondered from your perspective, did Russo come over not selfishly saying, I don't like it. So they won't like it. Was he sitting under Vince McMahon's learning tree long enough that, Hey, they're not gonna, I mean, cause let's, let's go back into more recent years. I thought for sure Shinsuke was going to be a huge star and man, they're going to put him and Lesnar out on pay-per-view and blah, blah, blah. That never happened. And it almost feels as if candidly, it's not going to happen as long as, I mean, that's just not Vince's style. That's not his approach. If you can't connect with a really strong promo and you don't come in with a lot of that hoopla, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a Russo thing. I think it's who Russo learned from. I think it's a Vince McMahon thing. And I also think that you could just draw the, 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 it's not the style, but look overall it's, you know, I'm going to really state the obvious here. U S programming United States program, which is the sole focus because everything else is bicycled out. It's English speaking. It's truly just that simple. You, you and you you have to do a, a connect, pal. You know the money's in the face, and the money's in the face, and the emotions. But you also got to be able to talk. And so, uh, you know, um, Nitro when the Luchadors came on, they sold action. They didn't have storylines. They didn't have angles. They said we're going to give you some hot action, and that in I believe both Vince's and others, that mentality is I'm going to invest my TV time in developing characters as opposed to a match. It's, it's a philosophy that am I going to give time to character development stories or give time to matches? It's a different philosophy. Which one do you think draws the most money? It's funny you that you would even ask. I mean, is that a, like a softball? I mean, it's stories. We all know it's stories. Oh my god! But 
but it, you know, you see that argument all the time on social, Jeff. Oh. And I, I loved your pregnant pause because, Lord, you just you want to be everybody's friend. And I, no, I, mean, I couldn't believe you asked me that. I know the answer. I wanted you to say it with a straight face. You asked me, Jeff, do you think of match draws or do you think of story, bro? Well, Conrad, let's talk about this. Let me. No, hang on. Let me just say this. When, when our pal Road Dog said that last year, boy, it pissed a lot of people off. Said what? I think, oh, I'm missing something here. He, he said there's no money in matches, and it pissed everybody off. <laughs> and he said that he heard as a young man, and I forget who he gave credit to, but it was uh, a territory wrestler. It might have been somebody like Billy Joe Travis or a name like that who said, you know, or maybe it was Jamie Dundee. I forget who it was. It was, it was Jamie Dundee. I believe, oh, but he said something like, um, you know, Matt, uh, matches, you know, there's no money in matches. The, the, the money's in the story and it upset a lot of people, but Eric Bischoff's been saying the same thing. Jim Ross has been saying the same thing. Tony Schiavone has been saying the same thing. And now we got you saying the same thing. And I feel like it's just not, it's just not clicking and don't get me wrong. I understand. I love a five-star match as much as the next guy. And I know you appreciate and respect it more than I ever could, because you can appreciate what all went into that. However, you got to have the story. The sto when, when you think about WrestleMania three, if you're a wrestling nerd, we all think of Ricky, the dragon steamboat and Randy macho man, savage putting on a clinic, but those 80,000 people came there to see the conclusion of that Hulk Hogan, Andre, the giant story. And those matches are not even comparable in any way. But the match that drew those people was the one with the best story. That's what sold the tickets. That's what sold the pay-per-views. That's what sold the closed circuit. That's what made the company an arena business for real. It was doing fine before, but it was another level after. And it was that story, not the matches. I am dumbfounded. I'm going back to, and where did I miss this? Maybe I wasn't dialed in that road dog got heat by saying that. But I, 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 when I say it diplomatically, like the NBA playoffs, uh, are, are cranked up right now. And I absolutely, without question, I'm a basketball junkie. And so I look at, okay. And now they've got a play in tournament and Conrad, I don't even know if you know that, but top eight teams from the East top eight teams from the West traditionally have always gone with well, the last couple of years. They have a play in tournament where, the seventh seed and the eighth seed play at the end of the season. And the winner of that, they get the seventh seed. And then the loser of that is going to go play this other game. But number nine and 10 have played. So that winner gets a win. So there technically could be a 10th seed, get the eighth seed slot. Okay. They're all dribbling the ball. They're all making fouls. They're all hitting threes that are unbelievable. They're all blah, 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 blah. It's all basketball. You get one point for a three throw, two points for inside the three. I mean, it's all the same. But when you attach the story to it, whether it's UFC, NBA, March Madness, clipboard Joe Burrow and Buffoon Abyss getting in our crawls. I mean, it it's all story. If you just put have a match to have a match, it may be entertaining, but there is no ROI. There's no revenue. I don't believe there's any revenue ge generated out of it, and I'm surprised that you asked me that question, Conrad. Well, I just wanted to get it stirred up. I wanted the internet to hate you like they do Road Dog. I don't know when the, everybody, the IWC got together and decided they don't like Road Dog, but he was just spitting facts, y'all. 
Uh, let's talk about another fact. Sid is shown backstage on this same nitro where you are, uh, wrestling Vampiro laid out with a broken guitar next to him. And it's reported in the newsletters that this is done this way without seeing the actual action of a guitar because Sid says he got a concussion the last time you hit him with a guitar and Meltzer can't help, but jump in and chime in on that saying, Hey, if Mike today and Mula can get hit with guitars and not get a concussion, but this 300 pound guy does, maybe there's something amiss. Do you remember hearing about Sid saying he had a concussion from a guitar? And I mean, I'm not trying to reveal the magic, but some of those guitars well, I'd have been fine with you hitting my daughters over the head with. What are Meltzer, we talking about? Well, Meltzer didn't get the full story. Okay. It's very, very clear. This particular guitar, uh, loaded it with two bricks. Oh, goodness gracious. So, I mean, look, Dave, Wade, Mike Johnson, they sometimes get half to Now, Sean Ross out. We can throw a few out there now. Uh, Nick Houseman, I mean, all that. This particular guitar, I may be stretching it a little bit. It might have been one brick. But, hey, sometimes it's happened, and you don't really need a full brick to put today down. A half brick. All right, all right, all right, all right. Come on now. We're having fun. But let me ask you. We're having fun. But, yeah. Have you had had the same guitar guy the whole time? No. Uh, WWF was uh, Richie. Rich Posner, yeah. Uh, and then people in and out, but then WCW went Hollywood on us and they ordered them out of LA, uh, true prop guitars. And then, um, I've had the same guy since 2002. Did you ever use, um, was there ever one that wasn't safe and you didn't know it until after the fact and you were like, Oh, Oh no, no. I've, I've always, if I got hit, I got a nice. Nice scar right on the top of the head in Mexico. Uh, L.A. Park cracked me. I like to knock me out. Um, there have been some that uh, Russell Cade, when I hit Matt Hardy, that was a little stiff, but I still thought it was safe enough. But apparently it wasn't. But, uh, you know, in WCW, all of those were. And the liability, I understood why. Because I'm like, guys, can y'all make these a they were they were too much too much but um did sid get a bad one or is sid being a whiny butt here that's my recollection at all i don't think there was a bad one okay there's a report in the observer that there's a talk of nwa worldwide doing a christine jarrett memorial show at the fairgrounds but it have to be approved by your father and eddie marlin do you remember ever hearing about this uh, and what you thought of uh, the show happening Folks, this is a time to tune into YouTube on my world and see Jerry Jarrett's uh, probably three and a half foot wide collared shirt. I love it so much. <laughs> it's the seventies, uh, but no, I never, I never heard this in WCW. That's kind of a, a rumor mill. But the WCW Worldwide tapings in two thousand, where were those being held in small markets, the Rome, Georgias of the world? I guess they were. I don't, I, I don't remember. Talk to me about super brawl. Uh, the, the buy rate comes out and it's the worst buy rate in WCW and WWF pay-per-view history. The lowest, when you go back to 94 and 95, what a lot of people call the dark ages, of the WWF, they still sold more than super brawl 2000 did. 
this is one of the first main events you've had a sniff at here and you're on pay-per-view and I'm curious, you know, a lot of people would say in the eighties, oh, we got to go thank Hulk for the house. And then in the nineties, when business was down, they would say, oh, diesel's the worst drawing champion in history. You're in the main event here, but it's a three man ensemble. Was there any blame pointed your way? Did it affect your pay at all? We know that on the WWF side of things, you get a pay-per-view bonus here. It's guaranteed money. Does that affect your pay? Are you nervous about it? When you hear that, are you taking any ribbing from the, the guys or the office or is it just business as usual for this company at this point in time? Pretty much business as usual, but the conversations that I would have with whoever Kevin Sullivan, you know, three ways for it to draw money the heel has to be red hot. The story has to be red hot. Uh, a single main event, you better have some heat on your heel or have a really hot baby face that they wanted. I mean, there was, I don't want to just say from top to bottom of that card, not stories with me on the bone, because remember Russo had written, let's say, two to three months for the story. Now it's Kevin Sullivan's first pay-per-view. Is this accurate? It would be Kevin's first back in power. Excuse yeah. me. Back in power. Yeah. So Kevin is just getting his stories going, coming off the heels. And you said it earlier in your buildup, the finger poke of doom. And I, look, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers, but you know, when you listen to Eric or Tony or Jr. and, and just kind of the history of it all, that felt like, the beginning of the end with with consumer confidence. Now here we are a year later, there was none there. The other channel was red hot. So the people voted without question. We're not spending money with this brand. We're spending it with the others. No story, no heat, no emotion. And Kevin to his defense, which in turn defends me, Sid and Scott, no story that the whole new chapter was just being written. I want to point out that, um, you know, as we said, the, the WWF model would mean you would get paid based on what you drew your WCW contract was not really set up that way. Is that the same? Is that fair to say? Guaranteed that, that contract was guaranteed regardless. And I got paid per house show through uh, court documents where WCW was in litigation all of those financial terms have been disclosed. And in the year 2000, you were the 14th highest paid wrestler, but you made the fourth most that most in merchandise. You were behind only Goldberg, Hogan, and sting. And for the whole year on national television, touring brand slap nuts, Jones everywhere. You got a whole page here in the uh, magazine. You made $4,350 and 66 cents. Think about that. We do more than that on our podcast here. Um, but hold on. That stat is mesmerizing in a lot of ways. The 14th highest paid talent, right? Yeah. Let's run through the guys who were paid more than you. Okay. Goldberg. Okay. Hulk Hogan. All right. Sting, Kevin Nash, DDP, Bret Hart. Okay. All these are making sense so far, I guess. Lex Luger in at number seven. Sid Vicious in at number eight. Scott Hall at number nine, Scott Steiner at number 10, Booker T in at number 11, Tank Abbott's number 12, 
and Rick Steiner is number 13. Boy, if you'd had that information ahead of time, you'd have got your ass raised, would you not? Hey, so as you go down that, we won't have to go through it again, but when you go down on that, that whole list, and I'm just saying that we're in the storytelling business, we just kind of dove into that, Conrad, and I think both of us did a good job of that, but for a story to have any meat on the bone, you got to have a protagonist and antagonist. Tell me, out of those 14, who would you say is now that's the antagonist that WCW right during that time? Scott Steiner? It, me and Scott. Yeah, Scott Steiner, you and Sid. Like, those are the three heels on the whole list. And Sid. I know was, we're going to try different people at different spots. Oh, that's, but, without question. But when you look at them, I mean, it Scott is. Scott Steiner, Sid, Jeff Jarrett. Yes. And, and Flair by this time was a legacy babyface head and shoulders above anybody except Hogan, right? And and not on this list. Oh, Flair's not on this list? Flair's not on this list. Rick Steiner and Tank Abbott made more than Rick Flair. Where was he at? Below you. No. Yeah. Let's keep it going here. Uh, <laughs> March 6th, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hold on, hold on. One last thing, yes. So the atrocious... Royal T check of merch. Yeah. Who are the three people in front of me? All baby faces, all like Goldberg, Hogan, and Sting. That tells you what a freaking disaster we have going on, folks, in the year 2000 at WCW. March 1st, 1999, not 2000, 1999. You guys did a nitro here. 16,000 tickets were sold the day they went on sale. It was a sellout. Because of production kills, they opened up some more in total here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You had 17,852 paying customers. You come back one year later, almost to the day, March 6th. So it's been one year and five days. And instead of 17,852 paying fans, you got 2,236 paid. <laughs> Conrad, we could drop the mic and say, folks, Next week on my world, we, I mean, does that not say it all? I don't mean this to be ugly and I realize you're going to take it that way, but it's like between 99 and 2000, this went from being a nitro to an impact just like that. It's, it's truly except impact never had TNT and TBS. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm just saying like 2,200 paid would be considered pretty good unless you're WWE. And maybe AEW, but if you're not with one of those, man, twenty two hundred paid is a pretty damn strong show. Good for you. Real quick, you're the you're the mortgage guy. Eighteen thousand times thirty bucks a ticket. It's a lot of money, Jeff. Yeah, no, I mean think about the revenue drop. Yes. Whew. And you know they were charging more than that for ringside. It's just it's a lot. Yeah. But on the same nitro, the Harris brothers are just killing dudes. They get arrested. They're your backup. And now you don't have your heaters and you're booked in a tag match in the main event. And you end up choosing a partner. You choose the wall and you guys are going to take on Sid and Vampiro. Dave was not so hot about it. Oh gosh. This was terrible. The only good thing about the match was the outfit Tylene Buck was wearing roll tide. Vampiro didn't come across like he belonged in a main event. Wall was awful. Finish saw Jarrett hit Sid with a guitar and Wall chokeslam Sid. Jarrett pins in while Wall chokeslam Vampiro. 
Madden tried to get Vampiro over as the next thing, but since he's always losing every match, somehow, if you look back at Sting in 88, he didn't do jobs on TV every week during that period when he shot from mid card to superstardom in a one month period. So, Hey, at least Sid is taking the guitar shot this time. And well, then the next day, surprise Sid, no shows. You think he gave him another concussion? I have no idea. No, I don't. I'm positive. I didn't give him a concussion, but just let me add the context here, guys. The world champion is not bothering to show up for the Thunder. (laughs) I mean, that's the story. Yeah. I mean, and then you defeat Vampiro again to retain the U S title. And there's a lot of talk that when Goldberg returns, he's going to need a big opponent and you're on the list. It's reported in the observer that Terry Taylor was removed from the booking committee. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Terry Taylor. What was yours in this period? How was he to work with in 2000? Great. great. My jumping off point with Terry was he worked for my father in the, you know, he came to the territory and worked. My dad, I'll say loved him, loved him. You know, they were buds and, you know, later in the TNA days, but I always got along well with Terry. He was always, easy to deal with in these WCW days. He kind of understood the, not just the chaos, but he was a talent uh, or had been a talent. And so he could relate on those levels. And he, in his own way, would kind of give a a, a light pep talk in, Hey man, you know, go out and do the best you can do. We understand the circumstances might not be optimal. That kind of deal. I always got along with Terry. I haven't told you this, but, uh, you know, a lot of my podcast co-hosts, they've given Terry a lot of shit over the years about sure. the red rooster and talking to dirt sheets and all kinds of stuff. And it hasn't always been pleasant. And I was at WrestleMania, uh, this past month, I suppose, I guess now a few weeks ago and oh went and had lunch with a mutual friend of ours. who you know, and I won't say their name and, uh, he may or may not work with the company. And so a couple of fellows come in. Mr. Finley and Mr. Terry Taylor. And, uh, they come over and say hello to the fellows I'm having lunch with. And I get introduced to Terry Taylor for the very first time. First time I've met him ever, ever, you know, our past just haven't crossed. So as oh, long wow. as I've been doing this, he's been with yeah. WWE and I, we just mostly NXT and I, I just, I, we've never, yeah, I, okay. I wouldn't have thought that for sure. And I could tell this was going to be interesting. Oh boy. And Mr. Taylor, such a professional shakes my hand and says, it's good to put a face with the name. (laughs) Not good to meet you. Not nice to meet you. Just like, okay, this is what this motherfucker looks like. I just grinned and thought, you know, I kind of expected worse considering the way Bruce and Jr and Tony and people have just piled on at different times and I never met him. So I don't know, but. I guess I gave a platform for some of that to be out there and good to put a face with the name. Well, that is, I tell you what, if that isn't Terry Taylor, one Oh one, I loved it. Very diplomatic, uh, very HR, uh, yes. friendly and, and candid. And yeah. Hey, I, it, I was really proud of him. <laughs> I mean, cause you listen, we've got a thing, you know, I think everybody listening to this knows that mortgage rates have tripled over the last year. And so, uh, 
when rates were great, people would say, Hey man, how's business? Unbelievable. Now that they're a little higher, a little yeah. more challenging market. How's business? Unbelievable. Cause either way, I can't believe this shit yeah. <laughs> either way. It uh, is. And by the way, you won't believe how good you feel with athletic greens, just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. All you need. Jeff starts his day that way every single day. And that's the reason he looks better than ever by God. Uh, and maybe you're looking for better gut health, more energy. Maybe you want to optimize your immune system. Maybe you hate taking pills or vitamins. Maybe you want a supplement that tastes great. Well, AG one checks all the boxes with one delicious scoop. You're getting 75 high quality vitamins. You're getting all the minerals, the whole food, whole food source, superfoods, the probiotics, the adaptogens, everything you need to help you start your day. Right. It's going to help support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging. This is really like a life hack guys. It's also lifestyle friendly dude. Whether you're doing keto or paleo, maybe you're vegan or dairy or gluten-free AG one still for you. There's less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs. There's no nasty chemicals. There's no artificial anything. And it still tastes good. It's going to support better sleep quality and recovery, better mental clarity and alertness. Think of it as like your all in one nutritional insurance. It's going to cost you like less than three bucks a day. And man, don't take our word for it. They've got over 7,000 five-star reviews. So, you know, it's the real deal. Try it for yourself. Take ownership over your health. Arm yourself with convenient daily nutrition. Seriously, just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, athletic greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash my world. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash my world to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Terry Taylor's off the committee. And it's also in the uh, newsletters that Kevin Nash is off the committee as well. What did you think of Kevin's ideas in WCW? Did you work with him creatively at all? But you know, me and Kevin met each other in 93, 94. So Kevin's a, he's yeah. I mean, he's a lifer at this point, but he dove in and uh, incredibly interesting backstory kid from Detroit, you know, played pro ball in Germany, military, uh, all kinds of different jobs, life experiences, but Kevin, um, dove into the business and learned from Rick Rude and Dusty and that WCW. And then, you know, went work. I mean, just Kevin's whole demeanor and mindset is he knows how to make money. And so he would be a thinking. So Kevin, look, creative is something that is subjective. So yeah, were all of Kevin's ideas. Great. Uh, no, we're all of them bad. No, but Kevin, wasn't afraid to get outside the box. That's one of the things that, yeah, he would say, Hey, what if, no, I like Kevin's ideas. Uh, when did you first hear about the possibility of Russo coming back and what'd you think of that? And then what'd you think when you heard that Bischoff might be coming back too? I've tried to really drill down on when was the first inkling. And I don't know if it was a Bill Banks, Jeremy Borash, I'm even going to say a Terry Taylor, some folks that were on the committee that were coworkers, colleagues. I don't know if it was one of those guys for some reason. I, I feel like I didn't hear it first from Vince, um, but just kind of the, I don't know. I really don't kind of, I don't remember, but um, I feel like my best recollection, I didn't hear singularly that, that Vince was coming back. I heard, Vince and Eric are coming back, which was well, like, 
was that positive for you or are you nervous about that? Because Bischoff, you didn't have the best experience with Russo was kind of your boy from back in the day. Were you hoping for more Russo? Were you nervous about Bischoff or were you just the delusional optimist who was going to make it work no matter what? I thought changes needed and they're going to pump new blood. I felt like Kevin was, he was, he never got his feet settled ever. It was, and we just kind of went through it. It was, I mean, Jerry Toot, the, the wall, I mean, he hadn't been in the business. I mean, he was so the, the talent and, and who was available, who wasn't available. Sid went home. I mean, he was such a mess that I thought, okay, hope we've talked an often about this often online. Hope is maybe the singular, you know, love is a, the strongest emotion, but hope is right up there. And it immediately when Vince and Eric, I heard that it gave me hope, maybe delusional, maybe, uh, but I knew, okay. I, I, you could clearly see we're going to bring these two guys together. Vince represents, we'll call it kind of the, the, the new blood. And we, I guess they went, but you know, kind of the, 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 the newer talent, the newer, uh, script writing, however it may be type deal. Um, however you want to say, uh, cachet around Russo and the WWE influence, just whatever it may be. But Eric, obviously his massive success that he just came off of the last couple of years, I thought putting them this together, anything was going to be better than what we were going through because it was in such a disarray. I kind of saw the vision that Brad Siegel, Bill Bush, powers that be all right get these guys in there because it was clearly at this point a distant number two to wwe you said it tripled the ratings folks if that doesn't tell you there needs to be a massive radical change nothing will are you aware of the aol time warner merger and how it might impact or is that not even on your radar at this time i mean yeah i mean you're aware of it but you just don't think I didn't. I mean, I was really, uh, teeny probably wouldn't have been happy with me. I had really become just a wrestler. You know, I just wasn't dialed into how's this going to affect things. Well, we know what's going to uh, be affected next. And that's this European tour, man. It looks like it's going to be a strong success. And I guess it is financially, but Meltzer would say it's typical of WCW shooting yourself in the foot. Birmingham do, does 11,812 paying fans for $384,000. London does over 10,000 paying $375,000. And Manchester does 16,318 paying $447,000. But WCW doesn't even announce this success on TV when they come home. And it feels like it would be great news because there's a planned return for November. And they bring out all the big guns, you know, the nitro girls are here, the pyros here, and you've got injured stars like Kevin Nash and Bret Hart and Buff Bagwell. They're all on the show, but fans are supposedly giving negative reviews of the show because sting and Goldberg and Sid vicious aren't there. Sid vicious is the world champ sting and Goldberg are on the actual printed tickets themselves. And they're not there. Um, do you remember this tour? I mean, financially it's a success. But do you remember the crap? Do you remember this being a, a moment where you thought we got their money this time, but we might not next time? 
didn't think that thought, but you know, almost 40,000 tickets sold in three days. You just strong. kind of, it's, hell yeah, it's strong. And we're, we're not just down, we're way down in the U S I had lived through that with WWF in 94. I can remember talking and I really got an education on the business side in 94 as well, that business live event business was not, it was on, it was starting to come up late 94, 95, but we weren't there yet. It was the building blocks, but Vince filled up the calendar of going overseas, Germany, multiple times, UK, multiple times. We did the Israel tour, um, you know, and, and so, Hey, is that kind of the strategy that WCW should take that we're strong in Germany? Uh, I think it was free to air during this time, but anyway, strong television presence throughout Europe and the UK. Do we head in that direction? All the no shows was the, just the, it was so foreign to me. We've covered it here on my world, on the WCCW, the Von Erics and how they had decimated their business by the Von Erics, not Kevin, Carrie, just no showing their own shows, completely no showing and how it really destroyed the business. You know, it was, uh, it was just ingrained in me from my grandmother, my father, hearing other territory stories, hearing other guys, you know, the, the no show is the number one worst thing you can do. It destroys of which you've taught me, you know, the consumer confidence, but the amount of no shows that were going on shocked me. I mean, we're going to go have these big houses and me and Kevin Nash. I remember looking at the poster up, oh, nope, there, not there, not there, not this specific tour, but other times it's like, it ain't just false advertising. It's misleading. They know those guys ain't going and the marketing department, you know, what are they going to do? They're again, complete lack of leadership across the board is the result of what you have here. So almost 40,000 tickets in three days and nobody on the marketing materials is there. Come on. Yeah. It's less than man. There's no other way to say it. It's just less than, uh, uncensored is a week away. You and Sid are on top, but the match they're really promoting the most is flair versus Hogan in a strap match. And the go home nitro features you wrestling Vampiro again. You're working the show here with the flu and they do a dusty finish. I guess the original plan was for Vampiro to beat you for the title. Uh, but instead they do a dusty finish where Vampiro gets the pin, but it's because he hits you with the belt and a ref overturns it. So, uh, you get the stroke on the belt to retain. So heel getting saved by a ref maybe makes no sense, but that's because it wasn't the original plan. It was supposed to be Sid costing you the title on thunder, not again on nitro, but Sid at nitro asked for the day off and somehow just days before a pay-per-view they grant it. Okay. I just want to add context. Jeff is the U S champ. Sid is the world champ. So it's champion versus champion, but only the world title is on the line. So maybe you're thinking, okay, if we're really going to go with Jeff, we need to get this U.S. belt off of him. Doesn't it make sense right before a pay-per-view to really build the stakes for that match? Let's have Sid cost Jeff his U.S. title as a way to build towards the pay-per-view. Okay, I'm with it. Here comes the monkey wrench. Sid wants the day off. We give it to him. So we do this convoluted dusty finish 
and Jeff wrestles Vampiro for the third or fourth straight week here. The next day at Thunder, Sid changes his mind. He's actually at the show. And he comes out to save Booker after you and the Harris boys are beating him down. He comes out and has some, well, they're not Memphis punches and you're doing your best to make it look right. But this is just a disaster. You're here with the flu trying to help get over and establish a new guy who we haven't invested any backstory with, but we're saying on TV, he's the next thing. And the world champ's supposed to cost you the title, but instead a ref is going to help the heel retain. And then the next day, never mind, he's here after all. Man, we are rudderless here, are we not? Conrad, you said uh, about the profitable years of WCW uh, earlier, but I think either I cut you off or you cut yourself off. 99 was profitable, correct or no? Yeah, or two- yeah. 2000 was a huge disaster. And, and we're in the middle of it. Yes. And here's all the reasons, not reasons. Here's all the answers and the, um, I guess the fruit that's being, uh, produced. I mean, no wonder it's a disaster. Uh, let's talk about the pay-per-view. Sid vicious is going to beat you in seven minutes and 36 seconds. And Meltzer is kind of nice to you. He only gives you a star and a quarter, but he says, Jarrett did as good a job as humanly possible with Sid at this stage. And it wasn't really bad early on. Of course, eventually the heel referee is going to come out. You're going to beat up a referee. And then another referee comes out and then Hogan comes limping behind him. Hogan saves the day, beats you up and the Harris twins gives you the leg drop, puts Sid on top for the pin. And then Scott Steiner comes out and he cracks a guitar on Hogan's back. This is supposed to be a pay-per-view main event, but this reads like it's just a nitro, doesn't it? Or maybe a thunder. Yeah, maybe. It again, the, the lack of, um, oh man, I, I don't know. Are you disappointed? I mean, here you are in a pay-per-view main event in a title shot one-on-one. This is what everybody would have hoped for when they were signing up for this company. Like, man, well, I want to get over there and work in the main events. And, and now here comes Hogan to interfere. And, and I don't know if it's in our notes. Was this pay-per-view maybe in good? Was this the one down in Miami? Where is uncensored? This this episode. Why, why do you ask? Is that jog a memory for you? It is in Miami, but what what about Miami stands out? I, I could re- okay. So I think we had to get in there anyway. I can remember when you just said, I don't know why. I have no idea why. Man, it just feels like another TV. I can remember if we we don't have time, don't need to go into it. But the entire card read like a TV. It was just. Like, no, no, I don't, I don't mind sharing the card with you. The the whole card. Here we go. Opening match, the artist versus psychosis for the cruiserweight title tag team match, Norman smiley and the demon against lane and rave a singles match with the wall and bam, bam, Bigelow, a hardcore gauntlet match for their hardcore title with Brian knobs, uh, taking on three count, which is Evan courageous, Shannon Moore and Shane Helms, Billy Kidman and Booker T with Tori Wilson in their corner, taking on Harlem heat 2000, which is big T AKA Ahmed Johnson and Stevie Ray. Uh, Vampiro working with fit Finley, the Harris brothers with the mama Luke's Dustin Rhodes with Terry funk and a bull rope match sting versus Lex Luger in a lumberjack match, Sid versus Jeff Jarrett. And then what goes on last is not the world title. It's Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair and the Yappa pie Indian strap match. Just no heat on anything. Uh, it just, it, I can remember getting there and looking at it and 
uh, it just, there was zero momentum in the product. So the inkling of, to tie it into the episode, the inkling of Russo and Bischoff coming back, there's the hope spot out of everything. It certainly wasn't in the, the card or the creative or any other type momentum that was going on. It was, it, it, that's why it jogged my memory. I remember I was in Miami. We got in there the day early. I don't say we, I was at a production meeting, but I remember kind of going through some creative with Kevin and others. And it was just, I just remember thinking, all right, I got Sid. I got to do the very best I can do with him. Mm, mm, mm. Tough day at the office. Um, <laughs> the next night we're doing nitro in Gainesville. You're in the main event teaming with Scott Steiner to take on Sid and Hogan. And, uh, Meltzer would say it saw Hogan never sell one thing. The entire match look bad until Sid choke slammed Hogan. Normally guys recover from the choke slam pretty quickly. And normally Hogan recovers from everything immediately, but he decided to put this one over Sid pins Hogan and the ref counts three, which makes no sense. I'm going to recap. It's Jarrett and Steiner against Hogan and Sid. So he's getting pinned by his own partner. So Hogan and Sid both win and lose the match. Think about that. I knew that day we went around and around with, uh, you know, I don't want to say Hulk was, uh, nobody was engaged. Nobody was into, and I can remember going, Scotty, we've got to get in a room. We've got to have to go through this. Who's our lead agent? I think our man, Terry Taylor, or maybe what, or I, I don't know who got us all in a room, but it was, Hulk didn't want to be there or didn't like the creative or whatever it was. That's, you know, pulling teeth is an understatement. It was again, the culture, lack of leadership, lack of direction, uh, lack of a boss. There's your result. It's really amazing that, that, that happened. I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, I know that the wrestling community goes LOL Memphis. But I don't think even your dad and Lawler would have said, we'll have one tag team partner pin the other. What? I don't even, I even reading the note again, I don't follow. Okay. Uh, you can have a heel turn or a turn, but one of the opposing team needs to get the cover in. It's crazy. Let me translate this to you. Hulk and, and, uh, Hulk says, I'm not letting Jeff or, uh, Steiner cover me. That's exactly right. If anybody's going to lay across me, it's Sid. I ain't putting over them. It's, think about that. What? Yes. Fight plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment. And they're now offering a free seven day trial at tryfight.com. Fight Plus is packed with a premium live event schedule, over a thousand hours of live action every year, and a library of more than 4,000 hours on demand, plus exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com, T-R-Y-F-I-T-E.com. Uh, and then of course the world changes just a few days later, it's everywhere that, uh, Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo are here to be life preservers. And, um, it's said that they're going to try to exploit this and turn it into a television angle. And there's going to be maybe some realities because there was a coup to get rid of Eric Bischoff in early September. 
And that coup involved Bill Bush, Gary Juster, JJ Dillon, and Kevin Sullivan. And Russo had maybe 90 days as the head writer. And then he's out too. Boy, the political gamesmanship here really gets turned up when they're coming back because there's a whole lot of folks here in the office who didn't want them there. Did you know that? I mean, did you know that I'm sure you're thinking as a wrestler first and about, okay, how does this affect me? But did you know that, okay, they're coming back, but there's going to be a lot of people I work with who aren't happy about that. So I'm, uh, so Conrad, I'm just trying to think this is 2000. So I am what? 32 years old. Yep. So even though I'd been in the business 15 years at this time, I was still 32, uh, understanding the dynamics of a corporate entity, as opposed to a promotion like your dad. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or Vince running the show. There was, you know, there's, there's just such unwritten rules when you have one boss. So those two guys coming back, I, I guess by default and naively, I thought, well, you know, Eric's led him to the promised land and Russo had a pretty good run of writing. And maybe if they combine forces, everybody will get on board because what we're doing right now is terrible. How silly of thought processes is that three and a half? And that's why I say, you know, my thinking at 32 years of age, as opposed to 55 years of age is radically changed um, in so many ways. And when you, it, just because, yeah, it, I mean, I could really go down in a rabbit hole here, but I didn't to answer, give you the short answer. I wasn't aware that there was going to be this much blowback. On the March 27th Nitro, Mark Madden and Tony Schiavone are not even calling the matches or hyping the angles. They're just talking about, hey, do you think Russo's going to be able to work with Bischoff? So we're getting maybe a little too inside. Neither of those guys actually appears on camera. But clear, it's clear that this is where you know we're headed. Uh, and this is a spring break Nitro where it's got you and Scott Steiner taking on Kurt Henning and Buff Bagwell. Feels like everybody's heel in that match. Just South Padre Island. Yep. Yeah. You work thunder the next night, losing to Booker T by DQ. And then the company shuts down. I don't think a lot of people remember this, but I can't believe this is the, the call, but the call was made. Let's just not run the show in Worcester on April 3rd. Let's not run the show in Durham, New Hampshire on April 4th. And let's instead start fresh with new storylines on April 10th. But, oh, by the way, when we do that, we're going to be selling a pay-per-view six days later. What, what aired in place of us on that Monday and Thursday? Nothing? Uh, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, okay. Go ahead. Um, what are you being told? Hey, just don't come to TV. We're canceling those shows. Are you yeah. nervous about that? Well, I just, it was a, a bit of a confusion. That's why I was trying to think that. I wonder what, uh, but I don't, regardless, we weren't there. There was going to be a, a reset. Um, how do you message that? How do the people that tune in on that Monday go, oh, they're resetting, but nothing's on tonight. And that's why I was saying, I wonder what, what actually aired. Did they run crawls? Did they? Yeah, it was, a, it was a history of Nitro, but like, I don't know what the contents were. I mean, it yeah. was still wrestling, but it, it was, it wasn't new stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I, I maybe Shivani and others kind of pitched to segments and it was a reset. So 
at the end of the day, I wanted to have as much hope and optimism. And I knew from working with Vince, but also at least observing, okay, there's going to be a plan put in place here. But I mean, here's the thing. Like if you're not showing new stuff, aren't you encouraging people to just change the channel further? I mean, I know sure. having Tony Schiavone host a, basically a clip show and just show highlights of nitro, like on the surface, I could see how people would think, okay, that's a good placeholder. But the reality is it gets a 1.8 yeah, and raw, raw destroys it with a 6.4. Jesus. Like a 1.8 to a 6.4. By the way, you're still working house shows. You're not working TV, but you are working house shows. You wrestled Booker T in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Mm. 800 people are there. Yep. You head on down to Chattanooga and you're in the main event against Buff Bagwell. Buff was the stuff down here. Together, you guys drew 1,339 people. You are le- you left a company that was sold out every night. Like as soon as they announce WWF coming to your town six six weeks from now, it was sold out immediately. Yep. They don't announce any matches. They don't know who's going to be there. They just know, oh, the WWF's coming to town. It's it's sold. Now you find yourself in Pennsylvania, working in front of a crowd the size of the ones you started with in Evansville. In the territory days. Are you still delusionally optimistic here? Well, well, and let's go back on that a little bit. Do you think I had a couple of moments during these renting a car in Pittsburgh or Philly and driving over to Johnstown? Uh, Do you think I had a couple of moments like that damn Vince, but it really wasn't Vince. I mean, Vince, you know, like I I knew my options were out. Uh, they weren't good at staying at WWF. I just knew from the culture and the negotiations and all that. But you have moments like going to the ring in Johnstown or going to the ring in Chattanooga or any of these house show runs. When you get to town and you see the marketing materials or hear a radio spot or whatever it may be, and then the actual card that's there, you know, and Elliot Marnick or whoever's Gary Jester is running that, he comes up with, with the original card that was announced and you just see Nash sting Goldberg. And I'm, I don't know. It's those, but Nope, not here. Nope, not here. Nope, not here. All right, buff. We're going to go tear the house down, pal. We are here. It, it was yes. Nights like this, Conrad, zero optimism. You just go, let's go out, give the people what they, the, the ones here deserve for us to go out and do the very best we can. And we did. But as far as a product or brand, or I, I, in my, those days, I would call it, as far as the promotion goes, this place is upside down. And, man, it needs somebody right in the ship bad. Well, listen, they came in, and they tried to hit Control-Alt-Delete. They tried to reset. They tried to just start brand new. And it happens uh, on this special edition of Nitro. It's the first episode of the Bischoff Russo era and Meltzer says it has to be considered a major success. It's built around old versus new them being labeled new blood against the millionaires club. When do you first hear about that? Are you hearing about that before the show or do you find out day of here's what we're doing? I think Vince called me and just kind of laid out 
in Vince can sell when he wants to just laid out the rough edges and the millionaires club versus the new blood. And me and Eric are doing this. And, you know, again, I don't want to call it just Memphis, but born and raised on, um, based on reality, uh, create seeds that are absolute truth and let them kind of blossom and you blur the lines. And that's what it was. Um, it was at this point, very clear that the inmates were running the asylum guys were showing up when and when they wanted to. Uh, and so I think the audience knew it. And so then how do we capitalize on this? And you know, the, the, the first TV and the reset. And again, I have showed up at Memphis TV um, for the first seven years of my career and my old man would, he had no problem telling Lance or Dave or him and Lawler be talking guys, we got to make them forget about almost everything we did last week. And how do you do that? Go out and put on the damnedest show. That's the best way. We're not going to mention it. We're not going to bring it up. Wh whatever it may be, move ahead. And, and, and that was the mentality. And that's kind of, what I thought was going to be implemented. Let's just forge ahead and I don't say forget about it, but it's a new slate. They took off the week and here's the new angle dive in because name value is there. Storyline wasn't here's the new story. Well, we do something interesting. We strip all the titles. We vacate all the titles and we say that they'll all be decided this weekend at the pay-per-view um, but at the end of the show, only one match is announced and it's Jeff Jarrett versus DDP for the WCW title. And Meltzer would say that's hardly a ticket seller. And the rest of the show was to be made clear at the thunder taping the next day in Colorado Springs. And you're the first person to talk on this nitro. You're calling yourself the chosen one handpicked to be the next WCW world champion. The man most responsible for turning the WWF around fact. Uh, the man who was uh, set to introduce Vince McMahon's greatest secret, Vince Russo. And then Russo walks out and there's an instrumental version of Iron Man. And he is a full-fledged television character at this time. And he says that his goal is to beat McMahon in his own game. And uh, he says he was taken down by political BS backstage. Russo coming out to Iron Man tickles me. I don't know why, but, but. <laughs> him coming out and just, I don't know. Are we exposing the business a little too much? I know that sounds silly now, but politics backstage. And I don't know, were you ever a fan of that? I mean, clearly you did some of it in TNA, but I wonder if it hadn't have been done here, would you have done it this way? It, it, you always try to go up to that line, but it, again, it was, it, the audience couldn't absorb it. They weren't aware of all the backstage and the politics and the drama and all that. You know, the one thing on that graphic that just showed on our YouTube feed is that they had me and DDP in the matchup graphic, but they had me still with the NWO shirt on. I mean, that's like, let's don't, let's don't go back there. Let's move forward. It, it, it's, it's little things in the marketing department, no new green screens, no new images. Like what are we selling here? It just bad, man, just bad, bad, bad. And, and when you try to. I get it. You want to blur the lines, but the people didn't follow this story almost from word go because it got to inside baseball, as you say. Well, we know they're going to announce a tournament here and it's going to be uh, a four man field and, um, 
yeah, you're in a good spot. Allegedly, it's reported that uh, Bret Hart, they wanted him to appear in the rafters. We know that didn't happen. Just add context. This is not too terribly long after his brother Owen has passed away. I mean, less than a year. Uh, Mike Awesome is going to jump ship and attack Kevin Nash on this show. That's going to be pretty notable. Get some people talking. Uh, what'd you think of, uh, Mike awesome, the current ECW champion showing up here on nitro. Was he current when he showed up? Yeah, he was the champ. Wow. He hadn't dropped the belt yet. They didn't expect him to be there. Oh, okay. No, I mean, Mike's was super athletic, uh, again, shooting the angle to make things happen. And it's chapter one of this new story. So how do we create excitement? You, you know, I don't say throw stuff against the wall, but you got to make stuff happen. You can't just give a three hour promo out there. Action, action, action with stories. You got to do diving off points. Let's also mention that on this show, we see some scenes from ready to rumble the premiere, at least, which saw David Arquette with a little help from DDP hit you with a guitar. What do you remember of this premiere? Is this the first time you met Arquette? And was there ever any inclination of where that would all lead? No, I mean, that was, you know, done out in Hollywood. Yeah, first time I met David, super nice, humble, very respectful, uh, fan of the business. Uh, we did the angle at the premiere. Um, and I knew that they're going to kind of try to integrate things in and out. Uh, again, I was not around during the filming of it, uh, but understood it was a major, major, major investment. Um, there was a, a, a big machine behind it, but now here we are doing a brand new angle. Um, how's this going to fit into the new blood? You know, it was a little disjointed to me. How are we going to shoehorn the movie premiere into this storyline? It felt a little off. Well, what else felt a little off is when you're out there wrestling your old pal, Kurt Henning, you go four minutes and 24 seconds when all of a sudden Sean Stasiak shows up and they say he used to be meat in the WWF. They say that on the show and he does a move to Henning that to this day, nobody knows what it was because it was totally screwed up. That's directly from the observer. And he even compared it to a shock master caliber debut. So unfortunate debut for Mr. Stasiak, you get the pin with the stroke. You're in the middle of all of it. My goodness. Uh, there's a match to determine who's going to face the chosen one. Russo's best friend in the company, Jeff Jarrett for the world title. And, um, we're going to have diamond Dallas page, who was supposed to be Bischoff's best friend beat sting in three minutes and 42 seconds with a diamond cutter. So the idea here is we got two new bosses running the show. One is Eric Bischoff and his best friend is diamond Dallas page. And the other is Vince Russo and his best friend is Jeff Jarrett. And there's a moment here where you're distracting Kimberly and the ref is missing. And that allows Vampiro to turn on sting. Uh, you hit Kimberly with a guitar page moves after the match. Uh, and, and there's a big pop that he's okay. And, and you're going to do an interview. DDP is going to run in to attack him when the show's over. What'd you think? Were you, were you thinking, Hey, this is the shot in the arm we needed. We're going to sell some pay-per-views. This is the reset or, Oh Lord, more of the same. We, we finally did something that had a direction, but running a pay-per-view six days later, it was, and I didn't say it in these words back then, but it's like, 
how can anybody expect us to draw? I mean, this is like day one in, in a lot of ways and, and a building block. But I mean, I was, we all to, I don't want to speak for others, but I, there was a general sense of, because Eric had had so much success and, you know, the people that he was working with, I'm sure felt glad that he was back, you know, in his position of power and Vince, you know, just coming in and then being sent home and then back, there was a sense of optimism without question that permeated throughout. Well, I'll tell you what, it works. You know, you guys did a 1.8 the prior week. You're back here and you do a 3.06. So it's a 3.58 first hour and a 2.64 second hour, a 4.6 share. Meanwhile, Raw does a 6.17 and a 9.4 share. It's hard to imagine anybody getting a six, but there it is. But to go from a 1.8 to a 3.06, it's got to be quite the accomplishment, right? And there was some, without question, something was done right. That fan base was like, Hey, let's, um, and I think Melter went into detail about, you know, but anyway, there was no hidden facts here. People wanted to see what the new stories were, which was super encouraging that you say, well, at least they're still there. So it's up to us. If that's our baseline, a three, it's up to us to keep them and keep going from there. That's, a pretty good jumping off point to go from a, whatever, one, eight to a three. And okay. Is that our baseline? Now we got to do what we need to do. The, the old powerful world word momentum. And it's so powerful in this industry. You get the right momentum. It's so hard to slow down. You really got to screw it up, but it's so hard to get going. Well, you're trying to get going the next day on thunder. You're doing a taping here. And, um, Meltzer would write this now at this point in the show live, they had a match with sting against three Vianos, one of which was Jarrett. However, in the production blunder of the year, they skipped that match and came back from the commercial showing the replay of the finish where Jarrett hit sting with a guitar and Paige saved sting. So sting won the match to get into the U S title tournament. They then showed the sting match complete with Russo back at ringside in the sting costume sting had to pin all three. What was really funny is seeing the two Vianos from Mexico and Jarrett together, that Jarrett was actually tiny next to the Mexican cruiserweights who were considered too small to be taken seriously. Sting pinned both of them. Jarrett then crashed the guitar on Sting and unmasked. Paige ran in and hit Jarrett with a diamond cutter, but Sting pinned him in 228. This probably would have been a good angle, except for the production screw up. My goodness. First of all, you want to respond to the charge that the Vianos are much bigger than you and you're tiny? Am I in one of those pictures? No, that's them three. <laughs> I, I I love you weren't sure if one was you. That makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, no. I, I've never confused me to be tiny next to the Vianos. But Dave, no. he loves to get very descriptive. And yes. he, he might have got out a little out of bounds, but maybe I'll, a little. That's okay. That's okay, Uncle Dave. We'll We'll give you a hall pass on this, but uh, the production snafu coming back from commercial and showing the spoiler. Okay. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Cause always get, a, okay. I'll just kind of give you the tidbit, but you do better impersonations than I do. Russo called me. He was beside himself. Has to be bro. 
bro, how, I mean, just, I mean, and I just was like, they did what? Bro, how do you run it out of order? How do you, folks, this is a tape thunder. You have a line cut that happens in order. Yes. And when it aired, they put something that I, I, to this day, that's a real head scratcher. How in the world? But I mean, Vince, he did the best Long Islander dog cussing, not cussing me out, just kind of cussing at the wind. But how in the world can they do that? Because the angle was entertaining. And uh, uh, Marcus, I hope you have a picture of me in that outfit because I, it, at least to, I, I passed as a Viano for, for, for a minute. People didn't realize that I was one of them and then did the reveal and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, it was a good angle that obviously when it aired, it was more confusing to the viewer at home. Like what did they just do? It was, it was bizarre. Really bizarre. It's a super fun story and, and, and reveal and segment. It's just a shame that, uh, you know, typical WCW fashion. It was a screw up. Uh, here's the main event. Finally, DDP wrestled Bigelow and we had another ref bump page hit the diamond cutter and Bischoff came out, counted to two and stopped. Jarrett hit Paige with a guitar shot. Arquette finally did his run in with him explaining that Arquette is now close friends with DDP. Arquette took a hell of a bump over the top, but then even though he looks like to be about 150 pounds, Jarrett couldn't pick him up for a body slam because he mistimed his jump before he clumsily got dropped on the rail. Jarrett gave Arquette the stroke Canyon, who I guess is now a millionaire and over 40 saved Paige for a second until Bischoff hit him with a weak chair shot. And Kidman came out and spray painted NB on page. Listen, it's less than lots of moving parts, typical Russo crash TV stuff, I guess, but the missed time jump. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Everybody's watching. He's not supposed to know what he's doing. He's excited. He's anxious. And now he's dead weight for you. Well, it's one of those things. Mistimed is the accurate ter term. So when he jumps up, He's Dave, Dave was trying to do his very best and go up easy brother and all that kind of stuff. But when he goes up, I'm not ready. And so when I'm ready, I'm going up and his body weight is coming down. So it's not just dead weight. It's the gravity's pulling it the different way. So it was a botch. It, it made by, it would make botchamania for sure. It's a nice little, little piece of business for botchamania. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those deals. And I'm sure the, the cut made great air. They didn't have a shot that you could cover it up like, uh, other organizations do so many times in a very productive way. I'll say that. Well, <laughs> listen, I'm sure, um, I'm sure you were itching to get to the pay-per-view. I'm sure you were itching, but when did you find out? Did you know right away? Hey, we're going with you. For the most part, because you're not going to kind of start an angle, right? And let the baby face win. So, so they didn't explicitly tell you, you just put two and two together with your wrestling IQ. That's it. Yeah, it's that simple. Well, I'm sure you were rock hard when you got there that night. And if you want to be as hard as Jeff Jarrett when he's about to win the big gold, you need some Blue Chew. Blue Chew is our sponsor, and we're excited to talk about them and Jeff Jarrett's wean. Uh, these days, he could hit Sid in the head and give him a concussion with his wiener. 
It's because he's got blue chew, baby. All right. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost, take up any time day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. Speaking of packages, maybe you're looking for some stroke. Jeff Jarrett knows a thing or two about the stroke. You want to hand out more strokes? You need more Blue Chew. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options right now at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it, slap nuts. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Jeff, what say you? Could you give a concussion to Sid with blue chew? You think? Um, yeah, I love it. We got to see that. That's what I want to see. Like in Wembley, I need Jeff Jarrett's wiener versus Sid vicious. That's what we need. Softball. Uh, <laughs> now, all right. Now you're thinking, here we go, pal. Yeah. Batter up. Batter up. That's what Jeff used to say in Memphis. All right. So the WCW turnaround, uh, this big reset, the, uh, the big moment we've all been waiting for. We're here spring stampede six days later. It's a 14 match show. It's loaded up with tons of angles, trying to establish new blood as the heels, trying to, uh, Meltzer would say feature more inspired work from the wrestlers than in recent months. And a lot of people are considering it the best pay-per-view show since last year's spring stampede in Tacoma, Washington. That of course is when DDP won the world title. That's not saying it's the best pay-per-view ever, but it is a step in the right direction, but 14 matches. Wow. By the way, we are going to be doing a watch along with Jeff over at adfreeshows.com. So if you want to watch this match with Jeff, check us out over at adfreeshows.com. The match itself gets three and a half stars in the observer. You guys got plenty of time here, 15 minutes and two seconds. Uh, you get the win over DDP and you are now the WCW heavyweight champion. Meltzer would have this to say page, the smart promoter that he is littered the building with signs promoting his book. You don't actually believe fans would bring signs like that to a show. Do you He even had a spot where Jarrett tore up a copy of the book. Bischoff came out and this was a really good match. Jarrett had a long figure four page tried to reverse it, but got a rope break. Page got a few quick cradles and a urinagi for a near fall page moved amazingly well for someone who's been out of action for so long with a back injury that didn't even heal until his next door neighbor was back in charge. Finish saw Bischoff distract Charles Robinson, who took a bump halfway through the match to tease a near fall from a belt shot by Jarrett. Kimberly got in the ring, holding the guitar and clocked page with it for the pin. All the champs came to the ring to celebrate with Russo and Bischoff to end the show. So Kimberly turning on diamond Dallas page here, nailing him with the guitar, a lot to unpack. I love that Meltzer was not shy about his criticism of, uh, of DDP here saying, oh, his back was so bad. It didn't start feeling better until his friend was in charge again. 
the book business though. I, I know you and I love some shameless self-promotion. Does he ask you, bro, what if, what if you rip the book up? Is that something you guys talk about ahead of time? I, and look, I have me and Dallas met each other in the late eighties, uh, in the AWA super clash three tapings. Uh, it's the first time we had crossed paths, but this was the first time, uh, that me and him were going to work together and look, it goes without saying and Meltzer was diplomatically or not diplomatically, just the culture at WCW people came to work when they wanted some were more, uh, obvious than others, but you know, Dallas, he knew he had an opportunity here and his friend, Eric back at, you know, he, he wanted to do himself, right. Eric, right. The company, right. All that. But this is the first time I'd ever worked. And I guess there was, you know, some good natured, Hey man, get ready, brother. Uh, Dallas is going to have spot after spot after spot after spot after spot laid out. And what I found was really, it's, it's almost, uh, I, I took my takeaway from it, not immediately, but in, in the weeks and, uh, you know, days and weeks after that, I, I, it was kind of a, a, a very much new newfound respect because Dallas came to the match and I had always, my mindset was come with a, a real general outline of what to do and what not to do, what kind of, how are we going to work together? But it's a give and take when you're talking uh, with each talent and then let the office give you the exact finish or, you know, some details here and there. Dallas came with option A, B, C, and D for a multitude of spots. It, he was never, ever, he came prepared and I respected. I mean, I really did. It, it makes the collaborative creative process so much easier. And when he pitched the book idea, I'm like, I get it because you want a baby face that's over that people are engaged in that, that they're emotionally connected to. So as a, I'll say it as a heel, as, as the antagonist, I loved it. And I didn't care if we sold one book or a thousand books, hoping we'd sell a lot, but I knew that it would make the match, you know, a little segment that you can kind of, People want a story. Okay. This yeah. is a story. I mean, that's it. Yes. I respected it. I was up for it. I thought it was a little, you know, is it a game changer in the match? No, but it added to the story and you know, the people in the arena, um, they love DDP. The, the, you know, there was a period during 98 ish when he was the hottest baby face on the show and turned a lot of heads and people were like, how did that happen? Well, Kind of logic tells you he busted his, yes, he had a great opportunity and yes, him and Eric work well together, but Eric didn't make the people go out and respond. Dallas had worked his ass off and got that finish over and really had busted his ass for that audience and got over. So I was, I love the opportunity and I'll forever be indebted to D DDP because the first time I won the world heavyweight title, Dallas came with his working boots on and we told a story and both of us did everything in our power, uh, to make something good happen. And in result, the people in the arena, um, you know, have a heel finish at the end of the reset pay-per-view. That's not the easiest thing to do, but I thought we, we, we both did a pretty good job of that. What do you, um, what do you think of the diamond cutter as a finish? Where does it rank all time? 
I mean, yeah, I'm, I, it's a good one. I, I, I think it's top five is the reason I Are you asked. really? Yeah, because I think, you know, you think about all the different iterations of it. I mean, the Stone Cold Stunner is a variation of it. Uh, Randy Orton's RKO is a variation of it. I mean, there's a lot of people use cutters. And I mean, I just think. So you're what, saying, okay. What, what, what Jake's DDT was in the eighties, DDP's diamond cutter was in the nineties, but it felt like in time people sort of got over the DDT and it became a transition move. And you just see DDTs five or six times a night, but man, that because Randy Orton sort of picked it up and carried it, that RKO became a meme. I mean, I just think all time, it's one okay. of the most identifiable finishing maneuvers. Like if me and you go down to Walmart, those people know what a diamond cutter is. Okay. I, I didn't, I never looked at it or viewed it in that context. When you threw the stunner in there, because I put that up there at the top of the list. Stunner. And yeah. I mean, listen, if, if we're going to list them separately, I think they're both top five. Yeah. yeah. The, it, it, it Just because. Yeah, that's I, I see where you're going with that. I never really did the correlation of, you know, and now, you know, uh, Cody and Sammy, and I mean, there's a bunch of different variations of guys coming off tops, and the even Jay Lethal's lethal, lethal injection uses a cutter at the end. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's a, there is. A, I, I see where you're going with it. Kudos, pal. You uh, give that some healthy thought, though. But. um you know, the, the identif what I hate to sound like this, but you know, like what is something that signifies that's it game set match that gets the best false finish, even if it isn't the one, two, three, you know, the leg in a lot of ways, it probably cri cri crippled the old Hawkster. Uh, you no, know, yeah, not a lot of ways. It is the way, I mean, yeah, boys I mean, and girls, if you're not sure what to use as a finish, don't do a leg drop and don't do what Matt Hardy did and try one off the top rope either. Like psychosis and a few of those got woof. Don't do that. It's brutal, it's brutal. But like, what is that finish when you're telling a story in the match that is an absolute? It's it, folks. It's over. I'm with you because I always thought the stunner hit at the right moment. Maybe the tombstone from the Undertaker. I like that. And, and the stunner and the DDP, DDP's uh, diamond cutter. And once upon a time before it became sort of like. Jake's DDT, the super kick could have been, the, but yeah, not the, anymore. I mean, the rock bottom, and I know that was not as longevity, but yeah, I mean, there's choke slam. There's certain ones in there, but I, the, the, to me, the stunner was something. If you timed it, you you really not only get a great pop, but you had the convincing. It's at one, two, and when you kicked out, oh, what? I don't know. Well, I love them. And, and let's talk about why we're here. You, you finally, you know, and we've said this sort of tongue in cheek joking before, but once upon a time, your dad knew there were opportunities for you to leave and for you to go to WCW. And he didn't even share those with you because he said you weren't ready for it. And instead you go the WWF route and you win what we've jokingly referred to as the assistant manager title. And you win it over and over and over the intercontinental championship and you were very familiar and you've had all the tag runs there, but the big one had eluded you now here in WCW very quickly. You're the U S champ, but that is sort of the WCW version of the intercontinental championship, getting your chance to win. What was still 
what most people consider the NWA world title. And I know the NWA existed and the 10 pounds of gold was out there. But when people think about the NWA title, they think about the 10 pounds of gold and the big gold belt more often than not. And now you've got that the belt you saw on Crockett in 1986 debuted on TBS and you're wrestling on those same stations now, TBS and TNT and make no mistake. You know, this is a milestone worthy of celebration. Even as a fan, when you used to pick up the pro wrestling illustrated and it have all the different leagues and federations in the back and have their rankings, they'd always designate who the champion was. And now instead of having to imagine one day, I'd like to see my name there. It is you're there. And Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff are by your side. You're having your big moment, the big gold belt, the actual leather and plates, the dusty roads and Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and just on and on and on. I mean, all these greats have held now you're there. Is this a big day personally for you? Is any of your, is, is the wife there? Is the, is any family there? Are you talking to your dad on the phone? Take us back to that day. Not character wise, not professionally, just Jeff Jarrett, the dude. Stop and smell the roses was never an equation in my grandmother's mindset in my dad's mindset and certainly in mindset. Uh, I said at the top of the podcast, Conrad, this past weekend, I was in Tampa and as that we were, were visiting different colleges, but I, uh, heading out of town and we were going to a place and I pulled up to the light and I looked over and there's, um, Sundo where the first time I won the intercontinental title. And, um, in my mind, I went back to a couple of conversations uh, that I've had with my dad over the last three or four or five, three, three years, two or three years when we'd have lunches on Tuesday, once a month and all that. And, you know, as reflecting all that and, and you know, in the, when everything went national, you know, in our territory, it was the Southern heavyweight title that that was the belt Lawler and all that. So that was aspirational, but when everything went national, it was the world belt that Hogan and opponents fought over but I'll call it the wrestler's belt was the IC title and it was savage and it was Brett and it was Kurt Henning. And, you know, we could name a few, few more in there, but winning that, that title for the first time was huge. And me and my dad kind of re- reflected on that because that's kind of reaching a pinnacle in the biggest promotion in the world and blah, 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 blah. You know, everything that went with it was huge. And then segue over into the ups and downs. I go to WCW, I'm back in WWE, kind of climb that ladder and politics and everything that we've covered on here a multitude of times, but got really red hot in the China angle and dropped the title. And that was a whole different set of circumstances but on the way out, did good business, made good money. It was a success in spite of a lot of different challenging moments. And now we get over to WCW and the Russo situation, and then he's out and the Bischoff situation and all that. But at the end of the day, just what you laid out as a young child watching the touring champion and my dad's favorite before my time was Dory Funk Jr. and 
NWA title and the Briscoes and the Funks and then Harley and, you know, Rick and all that, just the lineage of that belt. And then the 83 weeks, we'll call it, is over. And this company is down and the UK tour is of almost 40,000 tickets sold and half the cards not there. Just all the political BS. And now it's, you know, the back against the wall and they're doing a reset. And no matter how you slice it and dice it, in the reset, the two highest ranking executives, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff, decide to go with me. And so having that opportunity was huge and winning the 10 pounds of gold with my entire three generations of history, uh, that goes with that. I'm much more proud of it today than I was in April of 2000 because yes, we can go TNA LOL or WCW LOL or the pea shooter and all those kind of stories. And that's all great. We have a blast with it, but the reality is I got into the business and I'd be lying to you and anybody else. If I didn't dream of, I want to be the world champion one day. I literally want to be the world champion. MJF is doing it right now. He got into the business. I want to be, I wanted to be the world champion and to put the big gold belt. And you named all those prior champions around my waist. It was a pinnacle that I thought was a complete dream in my head, but the dream became a reality. And in spite of all the mess and the funk and, but at the end of the day, the little boy from Hendersonville, Tennessee was sitting on top, at least for the day. I love it, man. Um, you know, listen, we, we got to at least talk about it. What was, uh, was Jill into this at all? No. It, okay. it, and that was, that was, you know, it was again, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at her or my dad or my grandmother, but I'll just start with my grandmother. That whole mindset of don't bring your, you know, not just me, the mindset in the territory days was don't bring your wife, don't bring your girlfriend, and certainly don't bring your kids around. If you're this baby face, you got to create the illusion that you're attainable. That was, that was the mindset and it was carried on. And so when I broke into the business in 86, I had a home life and I had a work life and it was just completely separate. And those years went along and, you know, we we were still under that mindset. So, uh, like I said, did I stop and smell the roses in 2000? Not at all. It was Jeff packing his bags and I'm going off to work. And when I come back, Nothing in my personal life has changed. My work life, yes. My personal life, again, I, I, I kind of go into, and I don't want to get into the sobriety and disease of addiction and everything that goes with that. But, you know, wearing a mask, I wore personal life mask at home and work life on the road. And they were two separate things. You asked that question. I just want to make sure that I, 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 I was clear that that was the culture that I lived in. 
Let's do some questions. Uh, major wants to know, did Jeff have any input on his chosen one theme song? Yes. Oh, Jimmy Hart. That was, I mean, as you can tell, it's a, it's a mashup. It's got a vibe of kid rocks, cowboy. So, um, it, you know, the, the, the top of it, I knew that the way it starts, um, without the, you know, without the, the audio hook, I knew I wanted to put something up there and, um, Daryl Marshall, who is with AEW now, um, he, he was a part, there was a couple of us part of it, but I, you know, I, 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 we, we talked shop about it and added that hook at the top, but, um, Jimmy Hart and company. And that was, uh, that was the mashup. I, uh, I got to ask Brendan's question. He's talking about the new blood and millionaires club angle. Did TNA creative see the main event mafia as a way to reboot this angle and learn from the mistakes of WCW? You know, i saw that question. And when I think about bullet club, NWO main event, mafia, um, uh, new blood. Um, I, I mean the, the first family of wrestling in Memphis, we could come up with m so many different iterations. They all got somewhat of a, a thread that an evil empire is taking over justice. That's so there's a, there, there's a similarity, similarity, similar. It's similar in many, many ways. But not exactly. Well, next week we're going to be talking about TNA in 2003. The build is on for Raven versus Jeff Jarrett, uh, in TNA for the NWA world heavyweight title, a big push for the amazing red will begin. We've got some new ECW wrestlers debuting. There's going to be a clockwork orange house of fun match. We got Mark Gunn debuting dusty Rhodes in a ladder match. Yes. Dusty Rhodes in a ladder match that you, you didn't hear me wrong there. Dusty Rhodes in a ladder match. We're talking about it next week. New Jack's here. There's more heat to discuss with Vince Russo. A lot of fun stuff happening uh, next week here on the program. In the meantime, how about watching this, this historic moment? The first time Jeff became a world champ. We're doing it live over at adfreeshows.com. You don't want to miss it. By the way, we've also got a free trial. Try it on us. More than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts early and ad free. Hey, how early? You can even be a part of our live studio audience. It starts at just $9 a month. Get yourself a free trial right now at adfreeshows.com. By the way, if your business targets men 25 to 54 years old, no better place to advertise than right here with us on my world. You've heard us do some of the same ads for the same companies year after year. Why is that? Because it really works. And with our super targeted audience, there's very little waste. Go right now to advertisewithjarrett.com. That's advertisewithjarrett.com. Uh, in the meantime, love to have you subscribe to our YouTube. Myworldonyoutube.com is where you can keep up. If you've got questions for Jeff or myself, find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at MyWorldPod and get all the swag you've seen advertised here on the program today out of our box of gimmicks over at boxofgimmicks.com, including the Last Outlaw t-shirt. Jeff, I don't know what I expected today, but I'm glad we got to celebrate your big day when you finally became the world champ. I got I to hold the big old belt. It was, a, I mean, it was a good walk down memory lane. And, you know, but look, the takeaway that we're both, uh, certainly me, 20 years removed from it, is have you done, and I know you have, but God, that's what I'm saying. For me, this podcast today, this era of the, the numbers from 99 to 2000, the bottom fell out quick, didn't it, Conrad? It did. I mean, that, that I guess that that's what jumped off the page. And why did the bottom fall out? It, it was the to me the accumulation 
of lack of the buck stopping with one guy. It's just like, because I don't think it's any one decision, finger poke of doom and this and Time Warner and the merger. I, I do think it's all collectively, but does anything jump off the page that why it happened so quick? Well, listen, there's a lot. I mean, those wheels are in motion before you ever came over. You said it clearly earlier when you said momentum such a difficult thing to get. Uh, it's almost impossible to get, but when you got it, it almost feels like you can do no wrong. That certainly happened with WCW, and it felt like, well, we'll just do more of what we did last week. And what really got them hot, what really pushed it was innovation. And I think if you go back and you can take a look, WCW quit innovating. Okay. You know, we weren't pulling in the, the luchas anymore. We weren't going live every week. I mean, we were, but there was a sameness to it. Like Nitro was new. The, the cruiserweight division was new. The NWO was new. What was really new in 98 Goldberg. So it works, but what was new in 99? What was new in 2000? Nope. I mean, well, yes, there is stuff, but okay. Well, we have a movie now. Well, nobody cares. And I don't know. We lost our way a little bit. We'll, we'll beat it up. I'm sure a lot in the future today was about how in the world you became world champ the first time the chosen one. Yes. And we're going to talk about it next week when we talk about uh, you battling for the NWA title with Raven and Dusty Rhodes in a ladder match. Brother, brother, uh-huh. brother. And one last thing. I know we're wrapping up here. Conrad, you're really not an NBA fan, are you? I enjoy no, watching the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Should we, Let's think about it over a week. And hey, we'd love to hear you on Twitter and Instagram. Fill up our timelines. If there's a way for us to have a little uh, tournament out of, uh, it goes all the way through June. So there's something there we can have a little banner with and maybe even have the buffoon abyss do maybe a guest pick spot. I mean, oh, he yeah. maybe there's a clipboard Joey in the NBA that he's hired. Like he's going to say, um, hey, I don't know. I mean, his favorite player may be Larry Bird. Does he even catch? I, I don't know. We'll have fun with it. But uh, Hey, before I let you go, have you seen air in theaters yet? Can you believe Karen goes, Hey, do you want to go see that? I said, would you go? Have you seen it? Yeah. I saw it the day it came out. What'd you think? Listen, I went into it thinking it would be the greatest movie of all time. I'd hype myself up. Expectations. Expectations. Very unrealistic expectations. My wife did not. My wife loved it and can't stop raving about it and tells everybody how great it was. I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> and I went in because I thought it would be the greatest thing I'd ever yes. seen. Like I love the cast. I love the story. I love, so I was just, I went in thinking it was going to be my new favorite movie of all time and it's good, but it's yeah. not the greatest movie of all Expectations time. Expectations will bite you in the butt every time, pal. what do you think? I hadn't seen it. What the hell? What's going on with you? She also wants, have you ever watched the Sopranos? Have you ever heard right. of that? Right. Jeff, we'll see y'all next week. Yeah, right here it. on my world. <laughs> love you, Connie. Peace. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Tax season is here, which means you've received or are expecting that tax refund any day now, and you're thinking about what to spend it on. How about a new home? With SaveWithConrad.com, we're helping renters become homeowners every single day, and it's more affordable than you think. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need a huge down payment. In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. At SaveWithConrad.com, we take the stress out of the home buying process. We'll determine your buying power. We'll even help you find a realtor. And unlike the banks, we don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. So if you're not ready right now, we'll get you on a plan to be ready. 
Stop throwing your money away, paying someone else's mortgage with your rent and start the path towards owning your own home today at SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.